Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Today's episode is with the wonderful Simon Taylor, Melbourne-born comedian and author of the brand new novel, One Night Stand. By the age of 24, Simon became a writer for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in Los Angeles. Since then, he has written for Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell on the ABC and Magic for Humans on Netflix. His one-hour comedy special was filmed at the famous Enmore Theatre in Sydney and went on to air on ABC and CBS Australia. Simon has also been featured on shows such as Comedy Up Late and Just for Laughs. Let's give a warm welcome to Simon. Want to tie your partner up in bed but don't know where to start? When you want to get a little frisky and brighten up your sex life, try Emojibator's new rainbow bondage rope, safe for restraint and suspension. Whether it be their classic emoji vibrators, silly pasties, or fab beauty products, Emojibator will deliver. Find all of their body-safe toys for pleasure at Emojibator.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 25% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram, at Emojibator. I bet you baked all the bread and binged all the TV shows during quarantine. But have you created an exact copy of your genitals? Yeah, I didn't think so. Meet Clonawilly. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of a penis or vulva at home into a high quality sex toy or memento. Check them out at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. Want to get your birth control with free delivery? Well, now you can with Pandia Health. Pandia Health makes our lives easier by bringing you birth control wherever you have internet and a mailbox. If you have a prescription, you can move it to their pharmacy and get your birth control delivered. If you don't have one, you can have their expert birth control doctors write you one. Find out more at pandiahealth.com. That's P-A-N-D-I-A health.com and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Follow them on Instagram at Pandia Health. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. Hello, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, you are in Melbourne, Australia. Well, currently in Sydney, but you live in That's Melbourne. That's right. I and live in Melbourne. Yeah. I had to do the mad, the mad border dash to Sydney so I could go on tour because borders open and close here very rapidly, uh, depending on where cases may be. So I, uh, I made it over to Sydney where I will potentially continue my tour. Who knows? Oh, my God. Who knows? And I was telling you before we started recording, it is so wild that you all in Australia and other places where they have better infrastructure and uh, a better government and just people who are more caring about uh, its citizens, that you guys are 
like COVID normal, as you said, but definitely more normal than we are here in the U.S. where we're still very much in our homes and not seeing people if you're being responsible. And, you know, vaccines right. are very hard to come by and you got to get on lists. And it's just like still mayhem a year later. So very wow. uh, lucky for you to be able to go on tour and, you know, see people and see your loved ones. And I'm very jealous. Yeah, well, it, it sounds like the, you know, the list thing is is interesting to me it sounds pretty normal for new york though like trying to get on a list to see a musical now it's to, to get to get yes. a vaccine so that's part that, that's it's kind of part. part of normal <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah we i think we also just have a, a civil compliance here when the government says hey masks on everyone puts their mask on yeah. basically mm-hmm. uh particularly in melbourne when it, we our, our case numbers were rising and our government just did a quite a big lockdown and we accepted that. But we also have, I think, um, the financial support. So what what blows my mind is America is meant to be the richest country in the world. And you guys got, what, 12, what, 600 bucks a first, or no, 1,200 bucks a first time or something like that. Oh, yeah. It was That's, not we, great. We were getting to about $2,500 a month. Oh, I'm still getting it. My God, it's called it's called job keeper here, and it was financial support if if you qualified. So if you had if your business had suffered, I think thirty or fifty percent, you know, decrease in in, in income and in profits, then we're eligible for 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 job keeper. So in this time, people like comedians have been able to get. $25,000 all up from, you know, something like that. I think I'm or, changing my uh, profession. I think I'm going to become a comedian. Today's the day no, well, in Australia. A comedian. It could have been anything. It could have been, you know, um, maybe, yeah, probably not podcaster because that job could still go. <laughs> but, you know, restaurants, for example, my friends who worked at a cafe, right. you know, baristas or something realized, you know, oh, my income's down. I'm going to apply for JobKeeper. So, so financial support from the government means that people are – willing to comply because they're like, all right, I'm not going to go hungry. I don't need to work if the government's, you know, has a lockdown, but is paying me to be locked down. So yeah, there's the fact that we're an island helps. The fact that we're Mm -hmm. a smaller population helps. And the fact that we, we have a government trust, uh, helps as well. So it's not it's not equivalent but, right uh, yes yeah. absolutely well nonetheless thank you so much for being on let's back the truck up for a hot second why don't you tell the people who are listening what your name is your pronouns and a little bit about what you do yeah covid really takes the front stage it all the time does, too <laughs> many times it does uh my name is simon um uh I go by he him and i'm a stand-up comedian and, well, and now a writer, I guess. And now, uh, now a fucking I'm... writer. Yes. Isn't that fun? <laughs> once you get you, once you write a book, you're officially a writer, which is very right. exciting. A new well, I used thing. To, I used to be a TV writer, and that, that didn't feel as legitimate as, uh, as this. I have a book, and I can, you know, th- throw it at things. You like can. It's a, it's you a physical thing. You can and you thing. will. <laughs> yes, exactly. And this is a question we've recently been asking, but I'm curious, what was sex ed like for you growing up in Australia? So glad you asked this question. We had something called Harold the Giraffe, right? Uh, Go on. Healthy Harold, Harold, right? He's a giraffe puppet. And it would come around to schools in the life ed van. So there's this van that would come around and we'd go in and healthy Harold 
the giraffe puppet would teach us about uh, alcohol and drugs and and sexual health. And so when people say, what do you remember about sex ed? I'm like, Harold. I remember Harold, the giraffe. And many Australians would, it's still around, uh, but many Australians my age would say, oh, I learned sex ed from a giraffe. So. Um, and was that in elementary school? Like when you were in like first through fifth grade? Yeah, yeah. Um, around then for sure. So I think I maybe two visits, maybe first and then fourth grade or something like that. Um, Cause I don't think we would have got the sex ed stuff just too, too early, but, but at least some basic conversations about it. Um, and I don't, I don't remember what the details were, but at the time we could ask questions that it, I think the theory is you, the kids feel more comfortable asking a, a cartoony character questions as opposed to an adult you know because there's a level there's a there's certainly a a social barrier between kids just asking you know anything to adults um perhaps you know there's a respect for a teacher maybe 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 teachers say no kids ask anything they'll ask anything but i don't know i don't don't know the full theory but it it it, that's that's the sex ed we have uh, uh, a giraffe puppet that's so funny and what about in like middle school and high school did you have other comprehensive classes or was that really like the main sex ed that you had access to yeah i don't know what the equivalent is in the states but year year 10 here so what was that yeah 10th grade so 10th grade biology we would have got the very biological uh understanding of well these are the ovaries and this is what the sperm does so that sort of stuff um and and this may be your next question, but uh, the actual practical uh, education around sex and sexual relations and dating is non- non-existent. That, I mean, mm. sex ed is, this is the sperm, this is the egg, this is the zygote. Here are the names for all the things that you'll never see in right. this process. <laughs> yes. So, so on reflection as good as it is to have this you know biological uh education pretty lax when it comes to the real world of of sexual education so very unhelpful is what i'm hearing absolutely yeah, yeah. In, ter- in terms of the experience i went through uh it's which uh, we will it, get to trust yeah me. yeah it was incredibly unhelpful and and every new thing i learned was why wasn't this taught? Why wasn't this taught? Yes. That was like a very, very common um, exclamation from me at that point. Totally. Yes. Okay. So, so what is your background and how did you become a, a TV writer and then a, a, a book writer and also a stand-up comedian? Well, I went, at school, I guess I was always a drama kid, but when I went to... I'm going to say university, uh, even though even though I know it's college for you guys. Uh, I I studied psychology at, at, at uni, and all throughout that, I was still a performing artist. I loved you know writing songs, singer songwriter, and and then I kind of took up sort of magic and improv and spoken word poetry, and so I was always just like, well, how do I get these 
feelings out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so stand up just became what I what I turned to because stand up always seemed the most daunting. Um, at least with improv, you've got a team. Spoken word poetry, you're you're way more rigid in you know you prepare it, you rehearse it. It's more like a play. And then stand up took me a while to um, get the hang of because it's way more conversational. The trick of stand up is making it seem like it's not prepared, uh, 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 that you're just chatting. And so I came to it uh, then, and 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 throughout my my studies, uh, I was I was performing, but it wasn't until a couple of years later that I was making enough from performing that I'm like, well, I'll, I'll just do this. I won't, I, I won't do, uh, with psychology, I was starting to, to, uh, work with kids with autism. In fact, I did it for about four years, uh, in different capacities. I did therapy with kids with autism, uh, behavioral therapy, uh, getting them ready to get into school. It's called early intervention. Um, but then I, I, yeah, I was balancing working with kids with autism, doing stand-up, and then I was on a trip to LA, and someone from the Tonight Show saw me do stand-up and introduced me to Jay Leno, and then he offered me a job, so I was writing for Jay Leno for two years, and I stopped doing the psychology stuff altogether. So wow. that was a little convoluted, but that's no, no, no that's that was, story, that was exactly I guess. what I was looking for. That's really cool. Yeah. And so someone saw you, and Jay Leno just immediately was like, "Oh, oh yes, this person needs to be on our writers team." Like, how how did uh, that happen? He's he's a lot more casual than that. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I did a, a gig at a venue called uh, Meltdown Comics that's not there anymore in, in, in LA. And a producer from the tonight show saw me and said, Hey, you're great. You should come see the tonight show. And I, I just went and I thought, Oh, great. I, I got a free ticket to the tonight show, not knowing that they're all free, but <laughs> I got a free ticket and I was leaving. And after the show, the producer said, no, 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 come meet Jay. And I was talking to Jay and I was, I was just chatting and you know, I'm a comic and he said, Oh, okay. Well, I hear you're funny. Send some jokes in. So I went home and I wrote two pages of jokes and it was just all, you know, topical things. Obama said this today, punchline. Mitt Romney said this. This is how long ago, it was 2011. Yeah, 2011. And Seems like a distant dream. It was a long time. When Binders Full of Women was oh the worst. Oh, my God. When that was the issue. Candidate could say. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very intimate with, with American politics because I was writing for, for, the, for the show because I was just going through every detail a, a politician would say to get these jokes. And so I sent them in, and the, and the next day they sent me a contract. So wow. I actually didn't permanently live in L- L.A. I was just back and forth. I was in Australia doing shows, Southeast Asia, uh, traveling throughout the States and sending jokes in th- throughout the two years I was I was writing for him. Wow, that's very cool. Very, very cool. A lot of people dream of doing the things that you have done and are doing, which is very cool. Well, it's uh, like all dreams. They're not, you know, this magical. You wake up from them eventually. <laughs> oh, I still got to pay the rent. Like it's not. Yeah. It's, sure. Yes, it is. It is. I, I'm not dismissing how surreal and wonderful it is, um, but uh, it, it's still work. It's still totally. it was still a job. I, I tell you what, it, it, 
in, in retrospect, I'm only starting to appreciate the magic of it now, going, wow, that was incredible. But at the time, it was nerve-wracking, like, oh, my God, i got to write jokes for Leno. What if he doesn't want it? Then I send it off, like, oh, my God, what if I get fired on the first day? How embarrassing. Oh, totally. Oh, my God, what if I'm fired after the first month? You know, and even two years in, it's like, oh, God, I don't want to, like, be embarrassed. So there, there was never any, like, aha, I've made it. Right, it's only right. in retrospect, I'm like, that was really special. So with, totally. with age comes that, uh, that reflection. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into your book a little bit. Um, it's called One Night Stand. And it's a story about a young man who is told he's going to be a dad after a one night stand, which is pretty similar to Knocked Up. My co-producer was like, oh my gosh, this is like kind of like the story of Knocked Up. I'm sure there are a lot of, uh, you know, differences and differences and twists and turns. Have you seen Knocked Up? I have. Okay. All right. Great movie. Great premise. And so I'm curious, did this story come from personal experience? Like what, tell me a little bit about it. um, And tell me maybe if there, you know, are differences between the real life story and the book, like what, what happened in real life? What, what was your story? So, yeah, this is, this is based on something that, that happened to me. I, um, the, the, I'll tell you the real story and then where it departs uh, for the purposes of novelization. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was seeing someone in, in Australia uh, for about six months and we were sleeping together and uh, and then it was uh, then I was getting the opportunity to, to come back to America and there was some work for me in New York so I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm going to move to New York. She was super supportive. She's like, yeah, it was a, ca- it, it felt like a casual thing. And, and, uh, so I, you know, I moved to New York and about four weeks after, you know, being in New York, I got a message from her saying, Hey, I'm pregnant. And so we had a phone call. It was, went for about eight hours and, uh, you know, it was, what do you want to do? And, you know, she was asking my feelings and my, you know, perspective. And I said, well, look, I'm just moved to New York, whatever, whatever you want to do, I will support. But this is, this is a scenario. It's very, you know, uh, you know, non-ideal, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do this, but what, what, how do you feel? And throughout this conversation, we just, you know, came to, came to the realization that she was, she really, you know, was absolutely set on having the kid. And, uh, I, was, uh, yeah, quite, um, I I felt, I I was actually quite happy. Like I felt this overwhelming sort of joy coming like, wow, I'm going to be a dad. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, I quite, I quite, because I, you know, I was seeing her, I quite liked her. And And how um, old were you and how old was she? uh, I was 28 and I think she's, she was 23. Okay. So, uh, and yeah, I, I had this feeling that instead of calling my, my, my close friends and my sister, I'm like, I'm going to be a dad. I was really emotional. And I, yeah, just felt this real, this real warmth at this idea of being a dad, because as I said before, I've worked with kids with autism for a long time. I quite, I really love kids. I really mm-hmm. love this, you know, that, that caregiving you know, nature. And, and so that, that was kind of awoken in me with that news. And then about 24 hours later, I got another message from her saying, 
actually, it might be another guy. I slept with a guy about five days oh, after. Shit. I really did not see that coming. So you I, didn't know that? No, something I didn't mention um, to the listeners is that I have read the first couple chapters of the book. Right. And so I was very oh, curious you to got see. A, you got a big spoiler. I know, <laughs> big spoiler. We should have no, said you're, spoiler. You're about a, a chapter or two off that revelation. Oh, in okay. The book. But, okay. But, but yeah, in real life, it was that within 24 hours, uh, I got a message saying it might be, it might be another guy. And then I'm like, well, how, how do we know? And and thus began my deep sexual education rampage throughout all of the internet. I've read all of the internet. And I had to learn about ultrasounds, uh, pregnancy dating, ultrasound error margin. Like I got down to meta-analyses of how accurate ultrasound dating is depending on the days. Like I had bell curves and everything. Oh, wow. Um, and and, and ge- because general advice from doctors is doctors won't go into uh, this guessing game. They'll just say, too close to tell, Get wait for a paternity You just got to wait, and yeah. You got to wait. And, and, and so, yeah, lots of discovery about, uh, oh, can you get a prenatal paternity test? Uh, well, there's an invasive one, which is taking, takes amniotic fluid. And oh, wow. there's a very small chance of miscarriage, but enough to not even dare. Why especially. risk it? Yeah, why risk it? If it's like 0.05, that's still, what, don't even do it, right? right. You so, can wait so, another couple months. Right. Well, it didn't feel like a couple. <laughs> of months. Uh, but there, and then there there is a non-invasive one, which is a blood test of the mother, where they they go through the blood. I think it's available with the, after eight weeks, uh, where they go through the blood and try find uh, blood cells of the, the the child or cells of the child and use that as a test. However, that's at least in Australia is not legally recognised because okay. it's. I, even though the labs selling it to you will say it's a it's it's super effective, the law doesn't recognize that. So let's say you got that test, it could be inconclusive. Uh, it could say you know oh no you there's no match, uh, and be wrong, um, or it could say it's a match and be wrong, and and then legally, uh, it's not that any of those results aren't binding. So it could say you're not the father and then the mother could still take you to court saying those tests aren't, you know, reliable. So, sure. so in reality, the only way to know for sure was to wait till the child was born and get a, you know, Eternity proper test. test. Yeah. So it was, it, it was nine months of me becoming incredibly obsessed with uh, contraception, the failure rates of every contraception, uh, everything and so because this was my world because because it was consuming me and because i'm a stand-up comedian i couldn't get on stage and just talk about politics or the weather or how weird are dogs compared to cats i couldn't do so i was in new york having to you know do shows and all i could talk about i just walked on stage one time in a sort of an open mic comedy club in east village and just said so i've just been told i'm gonna be a dad (laughs) I don't know what to do. I haven't told my family. You are my family now. <laughs> Eight people in the crowd, um, and and I just I just had to talk about it on stage, and and eventually this story became a one-hour show, 
talking about my experience. I didn't really mention the mother very much in the show, just sort of that she told me she was pregnant and it might be another guy. And that was kind of it for uh, what I would say. And I, I just wanted to talk about my feelings, everything I'd learned, how uneducated I felt. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the number one thing for me uh, was not never knowing that pregnancies aren't dated from conception. I never knew that. And, and then learning many people don't know that. Young women don't know that. As I've been doing this in shows, after shows, uh, men, women, medical professionals, nurses, uh, sonographers have gone, I actually didn't know that either. And, and it's, it's crazy the lack of practical education of, you know, when, when someone gets pregnant, here's what you need to know. Too often you know, sex education for at least young men, from my experience, was wear a condom and that's it. Right. It's like, well, if you even get that information. Yeah, even if you get that. And then that's not even enough. I got into like, you know, failure rates of condoms, uh, 2% if you wear them correctly, but it's 16% if you don't wear it correctly. Right. Uh, the, the joke I said, like, you got to ask questions. Like, did you, was it uh, too big? Was it too small? Did you open the packet with your teeth? Mm -hmm. Did you wear it? You yeah. can't just have it. Correct. <laughs> you need to put it on. Expiration you know? <laughs> date. Did you put it yeah. in your wallet? Was there a bubble There's, in it still? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's all these things that people went, wear a con I wore a condom, the end, like mm -hmm. that. And, 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 and that was actually what the other guy said. The other guy said he wore a, wore a condom. And, um, and I asked, you know, the woman, like, is, did, uh, he, did he wear a condom? He says he did. She's like, we were really drunk. We don't know. And you're oh like, my oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I have, two, I have two responses. Number one, this is more so now sounding like a mix between Mamma Mia and Knocked Up, which I absolutely ah. love. Um, right. Big Mamma Mia Less fan. Singing. Less singing. Less Mama singing. Mia, but... Probably more, um, you know, confusion and sadness and worry right. um, and planning. Yeah. But I'm so curious, like, what fucking happened? You got to, you, gotta, you know, spoiler alert ahead what happened in real life to you yeah well i'll tell you what happened to me but the, the 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 book transpires slightly differently um i eventually was developed quite severe ocd and quite negative symptoms i, I had to go see started seeing a therapist and was diagnosed with uh, sort of experiencing a, an emotional trauma general anxiety disorder because what, what was happening was every piece of information I was getting from the mother, and, and remember I'm overseas, so I'm getting calls and text messages of like, okay, I just had this ultrasound, you know, I'm seven weeks, and I'm sitting there with calculators and pregnancy oh calculators. All right, so if she's seven weeks, then when did she last have, you know, because she didn't know when she, she had her last period, because pregnancies, I learned, was dated from last period, and mm -hmm. so if she didn't know what they do, when they do an ultrasound is they put okay period unknown and then the ultrasound the computer automatically adds the average day of ovulation which is day 14 which is two weeks so if you don't know the uh, the last period and you're told you're seven weeks pregnant the the computer is guessing you probably conceived about five weeks ago so then I'm going, all right, so five weeks ago, and then the day was like pretty much in between me and the other guy. Oh, no. 
so now I'm sitting there with a bell curve counting the days. I'm like, so what are the odds? So I'm sitting there with, so I, I became obsessed. And then throughout the pregnancy, she develops uh, preeclampsia. Mm. And so that is a blood uh, pressure disorder related to uh, being pregnant that uh, requires the mother be on So then I'm like, oh, does that affect the pregnancy dating? So here I am trawling through uh, j- uh, scientific journals. It does preeclampsia affect the pregnancy dating, de- like just all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. trying to work out my odds. And what's interesting is I had the, uh, before the, the, the kid was born, the day before, I knew based on all my math, like sp- I spoke to mathematicians right, about the, 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 this is how deep in it I was, right? Because I was, uh, I was getting these floods of adrenaline and dopamine and adrenaline and uh, so depending on what I thought the information was. And I also was cycling between what I wanted the result to be. At first it was like, I want to be the dad, but then it was such a mess. It's like, I don't want to be, I just want to escape from this. And then yeah. I'm like, I want to care for the mother. And then the other guy didn't want to get involved. So then I definitely wanted to be oh, there. Oh, he didn't. And he, he like he had didn't. made that was, clear. Well, he was like, I wear a condom, can't be me. F you. I, do, I want nothing to oh, do with boy. this. Okay. And so then she emotionally relied on me. And then I wanted to be there for her. And then my friends, then it was becoming evident from my research that it, it, the, uh, the odds were quite low that it was me. But emotionally, I wanted it to be me because I was forming a connection with this mother. And then my friends were advising, don't, because what if you get involved, get attached to this kid and it's not your kid, and then the father does want to get involved, how messy will that be? Wow. Or he has a right to his kid, and then you've just slid into this? Like, that's not fair either. So it became this completely tumultuous situation of what, you know, knowing what's likely, what do I want to happen? And, and that became very emotionally distressing and uh, very emotionally draining. And I'm still, years on, I'm still dealing with the, um, uh, you know, the mental yeah, health rebrand. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's emotional trauma. Um, uh, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on medication because I'm on uh, antidepressants now uh, because I was, starting to self-harm like a year ago like no there's probably a little longer two years ago and and that's quite odd for a guy in his 30s to self-harm especially if i never did it as a teenager so i i I had uh i I should complete the story sorry i'm so Uh, anxious to hear the ending i have to buy the book thanks everyone no 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 (laughs) and that's a wrap that's it uh the day before the ultrasound the the day before the um, paternity test. The kid was born, got the paternity test the day before. I I had it down to about 0.11% that I would be the dad based on all the research, right? But emotionally, it was a coin flip. Emotionally, it was like, oh my God, I could. this could be it. I think I want it to be me. I get the results. I'm at the dining room table with my mum and dad and I get the email and it says I'm not the dad. Oof. And I just cried and cried for like hours i just spent the day like in the fetal position crying and and it was really upsetting and emotional and and really difficult and people would say you know people would ask me my because i told my friends they go oh you must feel relieved and it was it was a weird reaction from some people they were like oh woohoo you're not the dad but for me i i felt lost i felt i was i was grieving you know for for a time and um, 
And it wasn't until, you know, months later, I was like, you know, felt a little bit of relief and like, well, I'm glad the whole, you know, craziness is over. But I, I did like, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. No, don't apologize. I really wanted to be a dad and I had imagined being a dad. I imagined having the kid, holding the child, raising the kid. And, and I think something that is a misconception from, uh, my, uh, it, 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 I think Hollywood in general, but it, it, it might've started there is that this little factoid that gets thrown around that, uh, women become mothers when they find out they're pregnant and men become fathers when they hold the child. From my experience, that's total bullshit. Mm. That's total bullshit. When I found out I was going to be a dad, when I first got that news, I felt this overwhelming sense of sort of joy and and excitement and finding out I wasn't the dad was a massive loss. And so I, I was grieving for this imagined life that I I had with this kid. And and it and it you know, it, it ended in, you know, quite severe depression and I said self-harm and, and now I'm still, you know, on, on medication to just mitigate the, 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 the fallout. So, uh, yeah, not, not, a, not a happy ending, but a real one. A, a realistic one, yeah. I, first of all, I really appreciate you sharing all of that and all of the challenges and hardships that come along with that just because I think... I'll speak for myself, like as a cis woman, I typically feel that in situations of uh, like unplanned or unexpected pregnancy, the first person always to think about in my mind is the cis woman or the birthing person. And I Mm. think like this story really challenges that perception in a very intentional and positive way because when we think about cis men, we often don't think about the hardships that they potentially mm. face because when right. we think of the science and the statistics and the, and the studies that really show that like cis women and of course like queer women like mm. non-binary folks trans folks are the people who financially like struggle the most when it comes to unplanned yeah. pregnancies when it comes to um being able to afford like you know food uh education shelter like things like that when they right. don't have access to contraception and when they don't have like a second parent in the picture, that is like mm. me as a person who is a sex educator and someone with a master's of public health who really like cares about these things. Like that is what I think of. And I think, again, like we need to really be thinking of everyone involved, including folks like you and folks who experience being a part of maybe a woman's story without having any control and the anxiety and the depression that can come from that is very real and uh tangible and so i just want to like affirm you and like your experience and your feelings just because Mm. it is a story that is so necessary to share Mm. and really Mm. um admire like i really admire the fact that you were willing to kind of even though you know the book diverts from your real life the fact that Mm -hmm. you reached out and like wanted to come on the podcast and share this and be vulnerable Mm. is it tells Mm. um a lot so i'm just very Mm. appreciative of that well well, thank you yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't feel too bad in the sense that i guess if you're trying to determine where is your energy best spent with an unplanned pregnancy 
a lot of the burden is on the mother. Like that's undoubtable. Undoubtable. Like it's even if we were to come up with an, a, a figure like ninety percent of the burden is going to be of of the the, the situation is going to be sure. you know uh, on on the mother and the and on the female in that situation. Um, and, and let's say it's that. It, it's still worth spending 10% of your energy just checking on the father as well. <laughs> exactly. You know? So what, whatever the number is, maybe it's 99%, you know, the, sure. whatever it is. Well, just put 1% towards the father as well. It's, it's I guess, uh, yeah, uh, uh, telling this story isn't an attempt to pull attention. It's just, uh, to, just to speak the truth and to remind people that, you know, a pregnancy even isn't just the, the mother and father. It's it's the the community. Who who else is going to be you know supporting this this child? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, grandparents, siblings, the neighborhood. Like it's it's it is a it it takes a village is a great um, you know reminder, great old adage. So um, I I had this strange experience when I was in New York. I was at <laughs> It's a Dunkin' Donuts, I think sure. I'm 14, and I was messaging the mother. This is probably, you know, maybe seven weeks in or six weeks into to, to the pregnancy. And on the phone next to me was a, a, a dude, uh, a young man, probably around my age, on the phone, and he was, like, talking to uh, a woman saying he's like, Hey, we need if you know I'm Christian, so I want to have it. You, you make a decision, but from my point of view, I want to have it. And so I'm like, hold on. Oh, so he no finishes way. Up, I'm like, wait, do you have an unexpected pregnancy <laughs> as well? And so I had this bonding moment with this this random guy where he's like, yeah, I want to have this kid. He's like, it's part of my release, part of my faith. What are the fucking like, chances that someone right next to you in Dunkin' crazy. Donuts? So we had this in Dunkin' Donuts on 14th. Of all places. It was it was insane, and so I had this heart to heart with this, you know, dude who's from a very different background to me. He was, uh, I think he was from, uh, I think he's from the Bronx, uh, black guy. He was like doing, I think Uber Eats on a bike, like very different. He, I think he already had a kid to someone else, and he's like, yeah, dude, I'm, you know, it's my, I, I'm hustling. I'm out here hustling to make sure that you know my kid eats. And if I have another kid, well, you know, I've, I've got to just hustle more. It's like, well, so this guy's whole life is about providing. And so, you know, he he probably isn't getting a look in in this situation other than what's your financial contribution? Mm. That's probably the only real question. It's not like, how are you feeling? What are you, you know, what totally. are you experiencing? What are you, you know, that sort of thing. Because ultimately in terms of like, you know, uh, the early decision about keeping the child f- falls on on the mother, and I think, at least in the circles I roll in, it's it's accepted that it's the the, the mother's mother's choice. I know that that's still an issue in the states in many places, but um, but it uh, it is still a, a, a conversation to be had. So I just told my truth and after shows and and you know people reading this book saying oh i need didn't even know this truth existed so mm-hmm. whatever proportion of attention it 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 gets in a you know unplanned pregnancy um 
awareness is positive, I think. Totally. Yeah, that was kind of going to kind of be my next question about like what the reception of the book has been like and those who are listening. Um, now you know what really happened. But if you want to know the secrets of the, how the book deviates, then you can go buy the book. Um, but I'm curious how, you know, people in Australia reacted. Is it different than how people in the States like reacted based on kind of maybe different cultures? Like what has the reception been like in general? I th- it's, it's pretty universal. The The reaction has been after doing stand-up and, and the shows, people will come up to me after the show and sort of lean in, call them leaners. They'll lean in and they'll say, something similar actually happened to me. Okay, so they're like down to share their stories as well. They're, yeah, it's not something you will bring up in casual conversation. But because I've been honest... It's almost like this lighthouse, this beacon where people go, aha, honesty about pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then other people are drawn to it. Uh, and so I get, you know, like buff, like biker, you know, m- motorbike riding men coming up to me afterwards. Go, yeah, uh, something similar happened to me. Uh, it was a pretty brutal experience, you know, real emotional. And then <clears throat> anyway, good show, mate, real funny and walk <laughs> off, you know. And so you 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 know they're never asked. Those guys are never asked. And and you know uh, it it has been really encouraging that people feel like they can actually express this. Uh, because, you know, because a lot of the time it's something I did, and, and what caused a lot of my my issues. I didn't actually tell my parents for most of it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for the first seven months, I didn't oh, mention wow. any. Oh, okay. Yeah, for a long time, because what I was trying to do was contain it. Mm. And a lot of people do this. They contain the emotions. They contain the situation. Well, I don't want to talk to anyone about my feelings because I don't, you know, especially if it's early in the, the in a pregnancy, just say like young kids in their early 20s get pregnant. They're like, well, what do we do? Let's contain this. Let's not tell anyone. We don't want the social backlash. We don't want religion getting involved we don't want everyone's opinions because that the government like there's so much that comes into try sway and influence you that it becomes overwhelming so you try to fix it in and contain it so telling the story has at least if if even in a small increment allowed people to go oh is it safe to come out (laughs) is Mm -hmm. it safe to talk about this um and it's it's it seems like such a, you know, common thing, babies. I mean, it's, it's happening everywhere. Right. But it's uh, uh, the fact that, that people felt they had to lean in and tell me they had a similar experience was quite illuminating. And so when I was asked to do the book, someone saw my live show and said, this should be a novel. I felt really positive about learning to write a novel because I'm like, if this story can get into more people's hands, then I'll... I think it's worth it. So, so that that's why I, I wrote the book. Amazing, amazing. And my last question for you is: I'm curious, what what's next for you? What what directions do you want to take your career? Is this something where you're like, oh wow, writing was super fun, and that's something I want to keep doing? Or is stand up comedy, you know, the place where you're gonna spend most of your energy for the next couple of years? Where are you headed? Well, stand up comedy may not you know, feasibly be, be a viable career depending on how vaccines roll out. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I am, I, I guess it's just being a storyteller feels rewarding mm. and however it has to be, whether it's 
a podcast, which uh, you know is really powerful tool these days, whether it's another book, maybe I won't get another deal, who knows? Uh, whether it's what you know, um, stand up, I think just being honest about my experience and and telling my truth, whatever it is. I, ne- I never set out to say, hey, people need to know this, or hey, here's a story I think people want to know. I was just consumed by uh, an emotion, <laughs> and I express that emotion. Mm-hmm. So what, whatever I'm consumed by, I will, I guess my, th- what is next for me, just to continue speaking my truth and, and that, whatever that will be. So I'm in a, you know, uh, loving long-term relationship currently, uh, we're looking to get married and have kids. So I'm sure there will be something worth talking about. <laughs> in, <laughs> something in else down the and, line. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so look, maybe, maybe, maybe when I when I have a kid with my partner, well, uh, maybe I'll write another book on all the other things I didn't know. Um, right. Because as much as I obsessed with learning a lot of things about pregnancy, um, uh, I, you know, it's just this whole world that that is that is worth learning to communicate better, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Simon, thank you so, so much for being on. This has been such an amazing conversation, very illuminating and uh, wonderful to meet you. And thank you so much. Thank you. Want to win a year's worth of free lube? Yeah, I'll bet you do. All you have to do is enter the secret code word into the Uber Lube Google form on our Instagram link tree and bam, you're entered to win that sweet, sweet year's worth of lube. I'll bet you want to know what that code word is right about now, don't you? Okay, fine, I'll tell you, but don't tell anyone. The secret code word is slippery. Enter that word into the Google form on our Instagram link tree and you'll be entered to win. Good luck. If you're someone in a long distance relationship, quarantine can be especially difficult without your boo. What if you could have an exact replica of your partner's penis or vulva to use as a sex toy? Intrigued? Learn more at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Pandia Health, the only doctor-led birth control delivery company. Here are some fun facts about Pandia Health. Most birth control is free with insurance or for $15 per pack without. Your birth control comes with free delivery and free goodies. And you can get an online doctor visit if you need it, which is perfect during COVID-19. Go to pandiahealth.com. That's P-A-N-D-I-A health.com and use code SEXEDFREE to get a free telemedicine appointment for the first 50 people who sign up. Offer only valid in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, and Wyoming. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.